אוקיי. This review is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Dan for a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And stay tuned till the end of this review for more info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review and recap of episode five of Moon Knight. And Disney's got to stop doing this to us, getting us all worked up this late at night for people that stay up and watch the show. It's midnight, two in the morning, who knows what time. And there's so much heavy stuff or sometimes exciting stuff. Are, are you trying to permanently disrupt our sleep patterns, Disney? Maybe so. Episode five is officially called Asylum, but I am going to petition to have it called FYC or For Your Consideration because this was Oscar Isaac's For Your Consideration Emmy episode. He has been great in this show. If you've watched these reviews week to week from me, it's just literally a, a litany of me saying how great Oscar Isaac is. But this episode in particular, holy crap. I mean, he played every single emotion that you could possibly play. It was brilliant across two distinct different characters you've got to live a happy simple normal life you understand but it was all a lie wasn't it so what I'm not saying that this show couldn't have worked without him. Maybe it could have, but I can't imagine it working better with anybody else. And I was thinking, and, and, I, and I put something out on Twitter after the show, when you look at these different Disney Plus shows, I think that we have two of the best performances in the MCU with Oscar Isaac in this show and then Elizabeth Olsen in WandaVision that have come in this new streaming era. And it really shows how for an actor, we can all quibble about the stories, etc. but for an actor, these new shows are really allowing them to explore characters in ways that perhaps the feature format didn't allow them to. So we pick up the action this week basically where we left off. There's a brief encounter with the hippo and then Mark is right back in therapy at what we're told is the Putnam Medical Facility in Chicago, Illinois. When in Chicago, visit the Putnam Medical Facility. We get a little bit more of Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac. That's one thing that just the reality of the show hasn't really given us enough of. I've loved all of the screen time that these two have had together. You were with a rhinoceros? And a hippopotamus. You're right, I'm, you're right, it, it was a hippopotamus. And it, but it talked. Do you think that is sense or nonsense? Again, I love this interaction and the way that Oscar Isaac in particular is choosing to play these different moments. Hey, thank you. I feel really great. <laughs> I mean, they must pay you a lot of money in, in this place. You know You're what? really good. But we do eventually make our way back again to this hippo that we saw at the end of last week. We learned that the hippo's name is Taweret, who is the guide to the Egyptian afterlife. And first of all, I just want to say from a technical standpoint, as far as the computer animation, I love how this character interacted, the way that uh, she felt very kind of surreal, but also uh, felt present in the scene. And there were little things, just the way that she had her posture, even the way that she sort of licks her lips and gets ready to say things. She had the mannerisms of a human being, but in this obviously very outsized package, but it was a character design and execution technically that worked really well for me. You may perceive this realm as something 
more easily recognizable to you. Towerette also makes sure to distinguish that she is a guide to an afterlife and name drops the ancestral plane, which is the sort of between worlds that we saw in Black Panther. You'd be surprised how many intersectional planes of untethered consciousness exist. Yeah. <gasps> like the ancestral plane. Oh, just gorgeous. And I like that they're just flat out acknowledging this because we are collecting so many different, as I mentioned last week, watchers and realms and places outside the vision of the normal being, then I think you pretty much have to acknowledge that they all exist simultaneously and that this is a big old messy universe or multiverse, I guess, at this point. Tawaret is in charge of a boat that is taking us through Duat, which is the Egyptian underworld. And the ultimate goal is to take Mark and Steven to the field of reeds, which is basically a, a paradise if they're able to get in there. So in a preview of what this show was going to do to the audience at the end of the episode, Tawaret takes out Steven and Mark's hearts and puts them on a scale and basically says, well, listen, if you guys want to get into paradise, this scale's got to balance with the feather and these hearts are way out of whack. So you've got to really open up to each other because if you're not in balance, you're going to be headed to the underworld. And what this really is, is a very complicated and stylistic setup for what this show is actually about. And it is the origin story, not only of Moon Knight, it's also the origin story of Steven, in many ways, the origin story of the mark that we see in this episode. And it also is much more about the idea of grief and trauma and dissociating yourself from it and the consequences of that and what happens if you don't face that grief and trauma and the results that it can have on you as an adult. Do you think you created Stephen to hide from all the awful things you feel you've done in your life? Or do you think Stephen created Mark to punish the world for what your mother did to you? I've got to be honest, this is not where I saw the show going even two or three episodes ago, but this was my absolute favorite episode of the series because it wasn't necessarily about, and I know that some people have different thoughts on this, Moon Knight as in it's about a superhero. It's about these characters and what they mean to each other and what their functions are. And I know that a lot of people are saying like, well, there's not a whole lot of Moon Knight in this show. I've seen a, a lot along those lines. But for me, watching this episode, uh, the backstory of these characters was 100 times more interesting for me than two to four action scenes per episode because that's what people want. The Incredible Hulk show, the old one with Bill Bixby, uh, was, was infamous for that, which I love that show, but most episodes, uh, every 15 minutes or so, they had to come up with some reason for him to turn into the Hulk. So you had to script like two Hulk action beats into most of those episodes. I think that Moon Knight could exist with no connection whatsoever to the MCU. You could just put this show out as is if the MCU had never existed, and it would be exactly the same show. And there are a lot of people that would say, well, that is a, a minus. I say that is very much a plus because I am on board, not with how this show connects to the MCU, you, not with how this character is going to cross over with this character, or is this person going to show up, etc. But I am so on board with these characters and this story, more so than pretty much any other show, because even ones that I was enjoying, like Loki, really did start to become, well, how does this tie into the bigger universe? We'll see what happens on next week's finale, uh, but I really love this show just on a pure character level.
So because Mark and Steven have to sort of let each other in, they go to all these rooms that show past episodes of the TV series Moon Knight, as well as just very, very bad memories. And I love when they go into that cafe where it's full of all of the people that Mark has killed over the years, and Steven is sort of shocked to see it. But then Steven breaks into the one memory that Mark does not want him to see, and it is very much, again, to the core of how we got to where we are. We see that Mark had a brother. They went out one day to a cave, and there was a, a flash flood and Mark's brother Randall drowned and it was such a traumatic event to the family of course that Mark's mother then uh, started abusing alcohol your fault this is all your fault she became physically abusive towards Mark and we finally see who the actual original personality was and, and I mean this was just a heartbreaking scene because you have Mark's mother banging on the door and him basically this child saying it's not my mother it's not my mother and we see him dissociate and invent this character of Stephen Grant, who was the hero archaeologist from this cheap movie that we saw a little bit of. There have been some pretty dark origin stories for superheroes over the years, but this is right up there with the darkest ones because, I mean, this is about a parent turning against you. In a way, this is almost more visceral uh, than Batman's story because, uh, you know, his parents were gone. Here you have a parent who's who is such a nightmare every single day that you literally have to invent somebody to escape from her. You're not meant to see that. That's the whole point of you. The point of me? The point of me, what, to be a stress ball? And while I didn't see this coming, I don't know if this stays true to any sort of comic book origin, I guess I should have seen inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that the character of Moon Knight slash Mark slash Steven would have their origins tied to the roots of an absent or a dead or an abusive parent because of course Moon Knight exists in the same cinematic universe as characters like Iron Man and Star-Lord and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, Gamora, Nebula, Thor, Loki, Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, Jessica Jones, Black Panther, Wasp, Kate Bishop, Hela, Whiplash, Daredevil, Killmonger, Monica Rambeau, and really when you think about it, Ultron. By the way, if you've ever had Googling the pictures of 20 superheroes' parents at four o'clock in the morning on your bucket list, try starting a YouTube channel. You get to do all kinds of fun stuff like that. So we got the origin of Steven. Now we get to see the origin of Moon Knight as we visit the scene of Layla's father's death. We have a character named Bushman, and I've seen uh, some ancillary excitement because I guess this is a, a fairly major character in the comics. I don't really know uh, from that, but I do know that he is mentioned as being Mark's former commanding officer. He went to uh, go work for him as a mercenary, but he did not agree with the uh, slaughter of the archaeologist, including Layla's father. He was very severely injured. He crawls uh, up to the base of a statue of Khonshu, and Khonshu basically says, well, wait a minute, because he was about to kill himself. Uh, that would just be a waste. Come and be uh, my arm. Come and be vengeance for me. Do you swear to protect the travelers of the night and bring my vengeance to those who would do them harm? And yes, the stuff with Moon Knight did look very cool. It's the only real glimpse we got of him in this episode. But in addition to what I said before about the character work, I would also say that just inside of the superhero realm, generally the origins that we get for these superheroes have the least amount of the superheroes in them. I don't know if we've got more Moon Knight coming. I would suspect that perhaps we do. But for people that are sort of bemoaning the lack of Moon Knight, I would say it's important to get this character 
stuff down so that later on we can get more into the action with that foundation laid so that you actually care about what's happening. We step out of this origin story to discover that apparently things are not going well uh, back topside away from all this action. It appears that Harrow has unleashed Amit. We're seeing that these souls are getting dropped in before their time. So it, it looks like this pre-judgment is already happening. I imagine we're going to see a little bit more of this in the next episode as we sort of catch up what's been going on. But with that setup out of the way, we get into the real emotional crux of the episode here in the last 10 or 15 minutes or so, because it's very much tied into Mark's mom and Stephen's mom. And I like saying mom because uh, particularly with Stephen, it's set in the UK, so we're saying mom. Things get even worse for Stephen because not only does he have to deal with the fact that he is actually Mark, but his beloved mother, and we've seen them talk on the phone, he now has to confront the fact that uh, she doesn't really exist, and as a matter of fact, she's dead. And this really all comes to a head in Dr. Harrow's office. I would like to say, by the way, that that Ned Flanders comparison that Stephen does is spot on. Little haircut, little silly tash there. It's very Ned Flanders. Stephen. Because when you think about it, they're both very religious, they both judge people based on their sins, and they both look fantastic in a ski suit. Feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Actually, maybe that last one might only be Ned Flanders. Nothing at all. <laughs> Stupid sexy Flanders. Regardless, we have this beat where Harrow calls Stephen's mother on the phone and he realizes that she is in fact dead. And we go back to uh, when she died. We see Mark standing outside of the house. The family is sitting Shiva. His father beckons him inside and he can't bring himself to go inside. And he has this emotional breakdown in the street. And then we see him become Stephen and call up his mom and just say, oh, look, mama, I, uh, I lost myself again. I don't know where I am. What an absolute muppet. No, I know I did it again, but I don't know. I'm, I'm... I'm looking down a street. In an episode full of great scenes for Oscar Isaac, this really, really was the best one. And especially when you think of the idea that, you know, they're having this goodwill hunting moment here at the end. She was wrong. It wasn't your fault. It's not your fault. It wasn't your fault. It's not your fault. And even I forget watching it that he's acting against himself. Now, not on set. Oscar Isaac brought his brother in, I think, to sort of be the person that he would talk to on set. But in reality, he's doing two separate performances, but it's only one person. And the fact that I don't think about that at all at any point during the show is just another testament to how great Oscar Isaac is in this role. So as we approach the gates of Osiris and perhaps the salvation and going back to the world of the living somehow, we also learn that the soul Souls, the hearts, despite all of these revelations, have never been balanced. Your scales never balanced. Our journeys come to an end. I, I cannot stop the inevitable. Is really rooting for you guys. And we see these souls, which are manifesting as the people that Mark killed earlier, coming on board, trying to drag Mark down. Then Stephen kind of awakens his own inner Mark, which after all is what he has, and is starting to help fight him off. And it looks like that he saved Mark. Oh, we're going to go for a big triumphant ending. And then Stephen gets pulled out of the boat and onto the sand. And then we have a real, uh, I, I mean, I called it a bing bong moment. And that's really kind of making more light of it than it is. It, it really was heartbreaking to see Steven on the sand. And we've been told like, this is the underworld. Your soul will be lost. You are an unbalanced soul. You'll be trapped here forever. And we see him on the sand reaching out for Mark. Mark saying, stop the boat. I've got to get Steven. He's the other part of me. In many ways, Steven is his escape. And instead we see Steven slow 
slowly sort of become sand and then he just becomes this lifeless thing. The eyes are glazed over. Have we lost him forever? Have we not lost him forever? I don't know. I mean, the genre would say that we haven't, but I think we're going a lot deeper than genre at this point. And also kind of a mixed blessing because apparently Steven going down into the underworld is what brings their souls into balance. And Tolaret says, oh, great, you did it. And the next thing we know, Mark has made it into what's been called, uh, well, I call it the gladiator fields, uh, but they're called the field of reeds, which is basically uh, a paradise. Uh, you've made it. You, you're you in heaven. And now uh, he can be there forever. I don't think he's going to be there forever because that would make for a pretty boring uh, sixth episode if it were just Mark walking around uh, in a field full of reeds. But we also have so much left for next week to do. Uh, what happened to Steven? Is he trapped in the underworld forever? Is Mark going to be in paradise forever? How does he get out? Uh, how do both of them get back to the world of the living? What's going on with Harrow? What's going on with Kanju? Are we going to see Moon Knight again? Again. Are we going to see Mr. Knight again? What's going on with Layla? So many unanswered questions. I don't know how they're all going to do it in one finale. I kind of hope that we just get sort of a supersized like 80 minute episode where we do wrap up these storylines. Of course, we'd leave it open for there to be more Moon Knight, but it almost feels like uh, uh, too cheap for the depth of the storytelling that's been done so far on this show to leave it on a cliffhanger, to pull a, a Pirates of the Caribbean 2 where you're basically like, oh, what happened to Jack Sparrow? Uh, find out next time when we go inside the Kraken or whatever was going on at World's End. That movie was nuts. I've seen that a lot of people are also staking a lot on this third sarcophagus that we saw last week. As a matter of fact, several people were saying, how could you not mention it? How could you not mention it? I just hope that people don't judge this next episode as a success or a failure based on that because I think a lot of that is wrapped up on people's perceptions from the comic world and this potential third personality or whatever it is and I feel like there are going to be a lot of people that are disappointed if the show doesn't do just that thing whereas I think this show has a much broader scope and is looking at things uh, in a different way uh, so I'm looking forward very much to next week's episode I think there's going to be a lot to talk about there was obviously a lot to talk about with this episode episode. Uh, but I hope that, uh, you know, we don't all put our hopes and dreams on, well, is this reveal that I think is coming because it's an Easter egg that I think was set up based on this from the comic books? I mean, yes, it's great when those things pay off, but I think that the storytelling here is so deep and so rich that there's lots of other ways to get to a satisfying conclusion. So what did you think of the penultimate episode of Moon Knight, as my friend Mark Ellis would say? Are you excited for next week? Do you think there's too much to resolve? Is there no way that we're going to get a satisfying conclusion? Let me know down in the comments below. And before we go, I would like to thank my sponsor for this review, Athletic Greens. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin every day, and there are so many people that take more than one, all of these different pills and powders to serve all of these different purposes. Why go to the hassle and expense of combining all these different products when you can get everything all-in-one with Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is one scoop of powder a day. You can just throw it into a glass of water. It's not something that you need to hide under five or six different things to disguise the taste, so it's quick, it's easy, and it's something that you're actually going to look forward to drinking every day because, hey, it tastes good, and isn't that a bonus with something like this? And Athletic Greens fits any lifestyle. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no artificial anything, while still tasting good. It's something that I 
I've incorporated into my daily regimen as I try to take a better focus on my personal health in 2022. The probiotics in Athletic Greens, for example, are a great thing for me because I'm focusing on gut health as I get closer to the big 4-0. It's something that I have to worry about more and more. What I don't have to worry about is taking four or five different things to achieve my goals because it's all right there in Athletic Greens. I'd love for you to check it out. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Dan. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Dan, D-A-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks so much to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode, and thank you for watching. I'll be back next week with a recap and review of the season finale of Moon Knight. And as always, stay tuned for the latest box office news, info, you name it, coming up on a big week, actually, next week for Marvel. Thanks so much for watching. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.